0: and i can't get over that habit not a bad habit to have welcome to another episode of the golden age of uh, cardboard podcast man i'm telling you i should stop this and re-record it but i'm not going to because it's just funny as many videos as someone might do or recordings they might do you still mess up every once in a while but welcome to the show you know it's been a crazy last uh week for our country, crazy times we're in, it's 2020, just keeps going on, but uh, yeah, we're just going to sit and talk about the hobby a little bit, and I'm really excited about it because I've got one of my best friends in the hobby here to talk to us tonight, Uh, you guys all know him, he's the Cardboard Oracle, and it's Eric, those back pages,
1: hey Eric. Hello friends, those back pages here. I hope you're well. I'm glad to be here, Mike.
0: Thanks, man. I'm. Uh, I am well. Thank you. Excellent. We're hoping that I was well. <laughs> so, what's it like in New
1: York right now?
0: I heard it's uh, Indian summer going on up there.
1: Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. It's been in the uh, in the 70 degree area actually the last few days. It's kind of a, a whirlwind about. You know, it was about eight days ago. We had tremendous wind storms and got down in the 30s. And now it's been around 70 the last couple of days. It's quite, uh, quite strange.
0: Yeah, but uh, nice though, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, nice, but, you know, probably be back in the 30s next week. You never know.
0: I wonder if I should just do this too.
1: You can if you want
0: Well, it will be weird and I'm not even looking at you So I might as well just talk This is a podcast by the way So right
1: That's right it's a podcast yeah
0: So people are watching this on YouTube You can just put your phone down or whatever Because you can just listen (laughs) to this Yeah
1: there's nothing to see but us old guys
0: Nothing to see here And that's what I want the topic to be tonight Eric You and I talked earlier Um For people that don't know, Eric and I are just about the same age. Eric's my elder by a couple of years, but we've both been in the hobby 40 plus years. Eric, for sure, I'm coming up on it. And so through our collective experience, I wanted to talk about and reminisce about times of past. And in particular, I want to talk about hobby shops. I want to talk about card shops, the LCS. And I want to just have a nice conversation about maybe differences that we see today in local card shops and maybe telling stories about what it was like when we were younger. I think that would be kind of fun. Oh yeah. Because I have incredible memories of the card shops when I was a kid. Yeah. And talking about how the hobbies, we can talk a little bit about how it's changed and the world's changed and you and I are, We've been a part of that the whole time, really, right? I mean, I know you took a break in your collecting, but.
1: I did. I, I had my first retirement back in 98.
0: And came we started
1: back, in. Came back full bore in
0: 2005. 2005. So you were out of the game for
1: seven about years? Seven. Yeah, about seven years. I mean, I there was a little bit of time there in 2005. Three, the end of 2002, I dabbled a little bit, but I don't really count that aspect of it.
0: Well, let me ask you this first question. Do you remember your first trip to a card shop?
1: The first exact trip? I do not. But yeah, I... I don't spend... What's that?
0: I don't either. I wish I had some wonderful story to tell here, but I don't.
1: I don't remember specifically the first time or the first shop, but Many of my early encounters were with card slash comic shops. They, the one in particular, I was born and raised in Queens, New York. And uh, there's no need to give them a plug, they're not around anymore. But, you know, they were probably, you know, 75, 25 comics to cards, but they had a very, you know, they had a lot, they had a full showcase and they had binders and you could look, you know, you could look through the binders and they had the sheets and the binders with the price stickers for, you know, the asking price for each card type of deal. And, uh, you know, obviously that is now a, a long gone thing. I, I mean, well, I, I guess I can't speak in complete terms, but I believe that, you know, that's something of the past. You know, you would you would look through an album and you would say, oh, I want this card for a quarter. And you would tell the, the person working behind the counter, hey, I want this one. And they would, you know, remove it from the sleeve for you, from the sheet, and then start a tab up for you type of thing.
0: Yeah, my early memories of going to card shops were – I only have happy memories of that because it was always a special occasion that I would go to a card shop when I was a kid.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: And I didn't do the, you know, go to a card shop every week or anything like that. And I, I can remember going and, you know, there's always, I have this idea of what a card shop used to smell like, if that sounds, makes any sense at all.
1: Totally makes sense to me.
0: I mean, I can, if I think about it hard enough, I can almost smell the smell of what oh, a yeah. card shop smells like. Yep. And it's, I don't know, a unique smell, I think, which is probably <laughs> weird to be talking uh, about.
1: Well, to put it in perspective for the listeners, probably a, a strange brew of cardboard, paper, and nicotine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's how it was back in the day.
0: And, You know, it's, I remember there's always showcases. There's always boxes of cards to thumb through, Mm -hmm. you know, singles, stuff like that. Cases with cards that look like they've been there forever. Yep. Um, Remember
1: remember those old, oh man, I was thinking about this today when we were discussing, when you had asked me if, you know, if we could do this episode. And I said, absolutely. And I got to thinking. And remember those uh, crap? They're not, you know, hard plastics, but without screws? Yes. They were like a U-shape, and you had to pull them apart and put your card inside? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I
0: think I still have some of those, actually.
1: Oh, nice.
0: I don't have any cards in them, but I think I just have ones. I never throw anything away, so.
1: (laughs) No, now we know better than to put cards in that type of thing for you sure know, the one inch screw down loose sides and stuff like that
0: for sure i remember obviously you were you mentioned binders i remember you know flipping through binders and you know the the basic idea of a card show the or card shop i keep saying show <laughs> maybe i'm excited about this weekend i get to go to a show in dallas um, yeah
1: I'm, I'm a bit jelly yeah. about that for sure
0: yeah a bunch of friends and Big show, 400 table show.
1: Nice, get some footage. Get some footage.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely get some footage. But, you know, flipping through binders, I you know, it's weird. I don't ever go, man, this is, I was looking for X or Y or Z. I just knew I wanted cards. Right. You know? Um,
1: 100% agree.
0: Because back then, back, let's see, early, this would have been, probably my first card shop experiences were early to mid 80s like 83 84 right. 85 that time yep. frame
1: yeah same for me
0: and so you had three major card companies tops donruss and fleer at the time and fleer and donruss were always cheaper than tops for whatever reason well they were cheaper than tops but you know buying packs here and there uh building sets not because i ever completed them when I was a kid, but I just <laughs> as many cards as I could get.
1: Right. You had to try, right.
0: And, you know, it was just, a, it, it seemed very simple. Go into a card shop, find something you like and beg your mom to buy it for you. You know?
1: Now I wonder, I wonder if it's, it's a, where you live versus where I lived, I lived in the city. So, you know, the shop was, you know, a mile and a half away, two miles away from my apartment. So I could bike. back then you could ride bikes as a young child without issue. You just had to lock your bikes and no one would steal it. But, you know, I wonder if that has an influence. Like you said, you didn't get to go except for special occasions where all I had to do was get on the bike, say, I'm going to go, you know, not you know sometimes you're grounded and such, but you know make sure you do your homework, yada yada yada. But it was just a bike right away, so I, I think that might have had more of an impact. I yeah. know, I'm not sure, but and before I forget, and some of the some of the listeners probably can relate to this, and it's something that has stuck with me all these years. We we're talking you know, 37, 38 years later, you know, I was your average looking Husky 13 year old boy going to the card shop card slash comic shop, And, you know, I was into both at the time. And I remember going in, you know, if anyone's ever watched the Simpsons, you know, comic book guy, that's actually, well, that used to actually still is kind of a real thing. And I distinctly remember going like, hey, you know, what they used to have with the comics on the comic side of the of the shop, they used to have the wall. You know, they would put all the good books on the wall. You know, In the mylar's with the push pin through the on the cork board type of thing. Every time I would go in, hey, can I see that? The guy would flat out say no. Like, not really? the owner. Not the owner. The guy that worked there would be a snob if I was like, I'm pretty Some sure. Power okay. trip or something? What's that? Kind of a power trip type exactly. thing? Exactly. He was like, you know, he pretty much had the attitude is, you don't have any money, so I'm not going to get up off the stool and go show you something you're not going to buy. And that always stuck with me. Like that's just you know that's not fair. You don't know you don't know what somebody has in their pocket. You know I could have just come before, come from my birthday party and I could have had a pocket full of money. And that applies even to today. you know if you're selling something at a, at a show or a shop, you know don't judge the book by its cover. You don't know what somebody has in their pocket. You don't know what they have, they're willing to spend. So if, if you treat everyone with respect, it's a good thing because like I said, that has stuck with me all these years later. And actually when I got back into the comic thing in 2012, I made sure when I went out and I bought those comics that that a-hole wouldn't let me even look at. So I bought them so I could say I own them now. It's like a big F you to that guy.
0: Yeah, I remember him always being, and, and I had yeah. several different shops over the years that, you know, one would shut down, another one would open. And I remember there being several here yes. in Fort
1: Worth. By the late 80s, there were probably several.
0: Yeah. And, yeah. you know, our, and shows were happening. You know, I was going to shows too, but the shop oh, yeah. was. Kind of where you went to get your basic needs met, right? Right. And buying binders and supplies and pages and stuff yeah. like that.
1: In between shows, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, right. And I remember, I remember one old guy that ran a show, long beard, not unlike you, Eric, but <laughs> he was always super nice. Um, oh. Not necessarily like giving me stuff or anything like that and that I wouldn't that wasn't an expectation either it was just more right. of a it was just always nice and I remember you know always looking at the cards in the in the glass cases with awe and oh yes man someday I want to have a Mickey Man and they were all raw back then right there was no grading there nope. wasn't no third party grading and so everything was raw they might have some type of descriptor on the price tag in NM plus or NM or, you know, whatever, right. some type of condition descriptor, which was usually completely inaccurate. If I, I would really, really go back, Everybody
1: people, right.
0: One man's mint is another man's very good. Right. And yeah, that's true. So, well, it's mint. There's no creases in it. Yeah. But the corners look like, they're you know completely rounded over well so it but i always looked at those cards in the case and like oh man you know and i never knew like when you're a kid i didn't think well i'm going to be collecting when i'm 47 years old that wasn't
1: you no, know because that was old people oh my <laughs> god totally old people
0: and i i didn't even think past you know what i was going to have for lunch the next day that's right so not about Longevity in the hobby and no, nope. but and I and I I distinctly rem, I I distinctly know that I didn't think I want to own those cards someday. I, I
1: you did think that for sure. I don't I don't know that I did honestly though. Oh, really? I, I did for sure. <laughs> Not that yeah. I'd ever own them, I but I wanted to, you know.
0: Well, but, I wanted to own them in the moment, no doubt.
1: Oh, sure, yeah.
0: No but, doubt, but no money
1: for that no
0: <laughs> oh, someday I can own those. And and now that I'm an you know an adult, <laughs> I'm an old man or whatever, but
1: you're sorry to hear that.
0: Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I uh I'm starting to acquire these cards that I never thought I would own ever.
1: That's right.
0: And that's been happening over the past decade or so like it has for both of us. Yep. And it's you know, back then I was just happy to get cards. You know, any <laughs> cards. And and cards like the Mattingly rookies and the and I could never afford the Donruss rookie. You know, I had oh, to I had no. to get Pops rookie, right? And, and when eighty four Donruss came out. Man, I remember it was a big deal because it was such a pretty set, and
1: it was always expensive. Like the eighty four Fleer yeah. update, never cheap.
0: Yeah, it was. I remember,
1: I remember when the eighty four Fleer update came out, and it was never cheap. Topps traded was much cheaper in eighty four.
0: And then we had Upper Deck come in the game in 89. What a game changer that was, right?
1: Oh, yeah. I was working in a shop then.
0: And I remember boxes of Upper Deck being at Sam's along with Score and Tops. And you could always choose. And I, I can't remember what the price differences were. I wish I had a way to know that, what they were. But I remember them not being, you know, terribly expensive, but they were more expensive. And so when we went to Sam's, I always got a score box
1: because they were the cheapest. Because it was the cheapest. Yeah, Alper Deck was at least a dollar a pack if you could find it.
0: And but back then I didn't care, right? That's the funny thing about it. I was just happy to have some cards to open.
1: Well yeah. It was actually back then it was probably most definitely more about quantity. Right. Totally, right? You know, full box of score. You know 36 packs 15 cards were back that's glorious right there
0: there was a time I was collecting Daryl strawberry which you'll be happy to know as a nice
1: Mexican. I did know that yes
0: and well not, not everybody may know that out there but <laughs> that's true so I collected Daryl strawberry and back then there was no eBay there was no you know you got cards by going to your shop right Joe and what what new Daryl strawberries do you have I would ask and so I'm. This is high school for me at this point, and I was. I never owned as a kid the '83 tops traded Daryl Strawberry. $65. Oh yeah. I think back then it was a fifteen or twenty dollar card, which was. yeah Which was a lot. lot. Yeah. But I remember getting hundreds of '89 upper deck Daryl Strawberries, and I thought that quantity mattered. Like, dude, I have four hundred of this card now. Like, that's yeah. crazy. Which I still have, by the way. Um, oh, I told you I don't get rid of anything. Right. But I have so much Daryl Strawberry stuff, Eric. It's ridiculous. Nice. And I mean, he was a big deal in the 80s, Daryl Strawberry. Oh, yes.
1: oh, yes. Such a swing.
0: Oh, beautiful swing. Only to be surpassed by Griffey's swing later, but that's okay. Yeah. They, both, they both hit left-handed, so that's good.
1: That's good company, though.
0: So you're right. I mean, quantity mattered more than quality. Now, again, I, I wanted the 83-tops traded card, which was quote-unquote quality, uh, but it was unattainable, so I just did the next best thing right. and got a bunch of all the other junk that I could get. And finding unique cards... Typically didn't happen at your shop usually Right because
1: uh, It's mostly focused on local
0: Right local and Or um,
1: Super
0: Yeah simple Right Right. Um, and so the oddball Stuff you'd have to find at shows Oh yeah The weird, the weird and wacky stuff
1: SCD you know get it mail order
0: Right And I remember God I can't, for a while. I didn't have a Beckett subscription. You know, sure. uh, I would just go to the shop and buy a Beckett. Right. In the, back in the mid eighties.
1: Yeah. We all and, did.
0: And then I finally was able to either I paid for it or my mom bought me for Christmas or something. A yeah, Beckett Christmas. Subscription. yeah. And most teenage boys. Or let's let's I guess the best analogy to how I felt getting my Beckett every month was maybe how you felt in your twenties if you had a Playboy subscription or something, you know?
1: Yeah, I think that's accurate.
0: Like I was I read every Beckett cover to cover as
1: a kid. Did you get the S C D or no?
0: Nope, just Beckett.
1: I was kind of brand loyal there. S C D was weekly. Beautiful.
0: And I, I remember some tough stuff, you know.
1: Yep, tough stuff. Uh, CCP C- was probably before your time.
0: Yeah, I think it was.
1: That was before Beckett. Beckett kind of squashed that. Current card pricing. Prices, I think that was what it stood for. The baseball was monthly, and then the they had one issue that covered the other sports. And I think that was either every six months or every th- four months. Was not every month because it just was not popular.
0: Do you remember the Beckett's would come out also? I'd buy the annual Beckett, of course, the giant, uh, kind of master checklist of every card or whatever. Yep, Yep. that was always a
1: big deal. And you were fortunate enough because you stuck to just baseball, but back then there was a new Beckett every week for each one for each sport.
0: Now, back when I was younger. I was a I had a bunch of football cards. Oh, okay. Early to mid '80s football. I was a huge Cowboys fan, still am, right. sadly
1: today. <laughs> well, you're not alone. There are a lot of a lot of Cowboys fans.
0: And you know, collecting guys like Randy White and Tony Dorsett, and sure. so I was totally into football cards too. Baseball, way more, no doubt. Oh, yeah. But I wasn't oblivious to that. Now basketball I never got into as a kid, but it didn't really start until I mean the real first basketball set was it of my era was kind of that 86 87 Fleer set, right? Oh yeah. But even then I wasn't into it as much. I mean I loved the Mavericks. I was, I was a basketball fan, I just didn't
1: collect. Right. The cards were not very popular even in 86. I was buying 86 Fleer packs and you kind of had to do it on the hush hush. You know, you didn't really, you didn't really say, Hey, I'm buying these basketball cards," because it just was not popular.
0: (laughs) And then, you know, in the 90s, it's funny as I think through my card journey, my card career, so to speak, (laughs) I remember when I was at the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs going to shops there and yeah. There were like I think there were two different shops. One of them was just super good, and they seemed to always have stuff I wanted. And and for my for my da- growing Daryl Strawberry collection, right? I started collecting in the early nineties. I started collecting Juan Gonzalez because he was oh, a Ranger. Yeah. Uh, a couple home run titles. Like, oh, this guy is like insanely good. And uh,
1: I agree with that.
0: He would have tons of Juan Gonzalez stuff. I'm like, golly, I'm in Colorado, and I could pick this stuff up. And my budget was very limited because I was in college and broke, like most right. of the, during that time of our yeah. lives. Right. So it was very particular, very uh, – but what's funny is the card shops weren't that different. There were more products in the wall because you start getting into Leaf and Ultra. and
1: Right. As as Yeah, when it went to the 90s, yeah
0: yeah you start seeing more and more products come out yep i remember opening boxes of ultra in 92 and thinking it was the prettiest set i'd ever seen
1: it was at the time
0: and collecting that whole set did that whole set as a kid or i wasn't a kid then i guess i was
1: 19
0: 19 20 getting close to that and so but the shops just stayed the same it was in terms of just kind of this, there's all this old like you'd see old pennants in a shop or old jerseys and stuff that just right. seem to stay there for years and not change.
1: And I'm sure some of the people listening have some of those shops that are still like that today.
0: Right. <laughs> and that's kind of what I want to talk about next is what would you say you see differences between shops today? that you might go into, and shops that were back in the 80s and maybe early 90s?
1: Well, differences or similarities?
0: I guess by describing the differences, you'll also talk about the similarities. So how about both?
1: All right, well, the similarities, there's still that curmudgeon comic book guy type of person at this point, usually owning, owning the shop because they usually don't have employees. Uh, these shops there are them I mean not all of them but these shops tend to you know they don't really pay attention to you when you walk in they're not the cleanliest places to shop Um, they are known to find some, some gold mines from time to time because they tend not to keep up on the internet too much and like they're not really you know I guess if you could you wanted to put a stereotype on it you could say they're like they're the type of shop that looks everything up in the becket itself like oh you know how much is this single oh let me look it up and then they whip out the price guy so either it's going to be way overpriced or way underpriced right. depending on the card you know the player and whatnot and then on the other end of the spectrum you have the shop that's you know on the ball you know they're They've moved into the internet age. They, you know, they're probably active on eBay. You know, they have it. They tend to have staff actually. Um, They tend to be more friendly when you walk in. You know, they're not afraid to make eye contact, ask you how you're doing. Actually, seem pleased that you're actually there. They tend to have more of a like, singles presence, actually. Like, like, uh, not that the other shops wouldn't have singles, but the other shops would have outdated singles. Yeah. yeah, that's like the, I think that's the basic difference. I mean, anyone who's done this for a while has the stereotypical, you know, old curmudgeon type of uh, card shop owner that's been there a long time. Some say too long. Versus the, uh, the, uh up-to-date like into everything type of new environment and from what I've been unfortunately I don't don't have a uh, strictly card shop in my area but I have friends that do and and I actually see you know with social media and everything being 2020 you know you see even you see some of these celebrities even opening shops now. It's it's good to see.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I've been to card shops even in the last three, four, five years. When I walk in and there's a card I might want in the case, you know, and I'll say, Hey, and it's got a it's got a price tag on it that looks like it was put on there 20 years before.
1: Right.
0: It's faded and brown and it's turned from white to brown. And it'll have some price on it. Let's say it's $40 just to have something to talk about with numbers. And I look online and there's the same card. And let's, I obviously do graded cards as you do. So let's say it's the same grade, same card, and it's $20, let's say I'll I'll, buy it now. Like I could buy it. I'm like, I show the shop owner. I'm like, look, I could buy this card right now for $20, same grade you have. I'll I'll do it for $20. No, I can't do that. Really? Why not? Well, because I'm into it more than that. I hear that all I used to hear. Oh, yes.
1: yes. That's never changed.
0: (laughs) I'm into it for more than that. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that's not my problem. Like that's not, you know, do you? Exactly. And I, I hear you use the term a lot and I love it. I'm offering real money for a piece of cardboard. Right. Do you want to make a sale today or not? And it's like these people get, they just kind of dig their heels in on certain things, not understanding the volatility of the sports card market as we have seen so much of it the last couple of years. Right. Right. But it's been that way for a long time. I just don't think the ball volat- the, the numbers just weren't as big. It's not that they're that people think that sports card price volatility is new. It's not.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not new.
0: It's been around as long as there have been cards around. And
1: the numbers are new, but the uh, the event itself is not new.
0: Right, exactly. And so you have, you know, and I'll end up not buying the card because I'll go home and <laughs> hit buy it now and be done with it. Right. And Exactly. And they say, "Well, you can you can hold it in your hand, you can look at it, you can walk it walk out of here with it." I'm like, "I'm not that impatient."
1: Well, you I mean, it depends. If if the guys like I'll do 25, all right, that's fine.
0: Sure. Yeah, yeah there's not- a, there's a point where I the the idea of walking out with it has some Monetary value, right? Exactly. Yes. And so, but that that idea that people are so inflexible.
1: Yeah, like you said, they got they dig their heels in, and that's that.
0: And that's unfortunate. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, it's not. Right. say it all the time. There's always yeah. another one out there. Right. Like, uh, we say that to each other because it's true you know there's right. tons of 52 mantles out there as much as people let's use that card as an example right it's not a question of whether or not you can buy one
1: It's I'd like to say it's not rare it's costly
0: right yeah I say that too and I just say it always usually is you can buy any there you can find any card you want it's can you afford it Do right you, exactly. you want to pay what the person's asking
1: exactly
0: and I don't know, the shops to me today, on a basic standpoint, the card shop has not the the basic structure of a card shop hasn't changed in half a century.
1: It doesn't seem like it, does it?
0: Right? You've got showcases and boxes and unopened wax or you know, ready to be bought, packs to be bought individually if you want complete sets on a rack somewhere in the shop Um, all of stuff that nobody wants that's why it's there that's why nobody bought it (laughs) that's right and but am I wrong in saying that for a half century the basic structure of a card shop is the exact same
1: for the most part I agree with that I mean obviously like I said there's some of these new hip cats that are you know up with the times and you'll see them that you go to that type of shop they'll have magic the gathering pokemon comics everything toys figures you know they they're you know they're keeping up with the times i mean they they are familiar with social media they're familiar with what's hot right now because hey at the end of the day that's their job is to sell stuff so you know if you have an opportunity to sell stuff you be foolish
0: not to. Yeah, a lot of shops today, especially probably more than when we were kids, have a lot more high end memorabilia, you know, on the walls, um, jerseys signed by Mike Trout or right. the some hot football player, whatever. And again, those are all things that when I look at the prices, I go, oh, hell no, you know. And I don't know if they just do it. As decoration, or if they're really trying to sell it, (laughs) you know, Um, if they sold that jersey, they'd lose us, you know, they have to take it off the wall and put something else up there. Yeah. That seems like expensive wallpaper to me, you know?
1: Yeah. That's kind of dead weight stuff, really.
0: It seems like it to me for sure. But you see a lot of shops today that have that. And I don't remember that back when we were kids i think i saw a lot more posters yeah and yeah. photographs
1: yeah yeah the, the autograph stuff really didn't i would say late 80s right it really started to the wave of autographs and signed bats stuff like that baseballs obviously
0: yeah the men was a lot different it was just remember all the old sports illustrated posters with the white viewers yeah. oh yeah Oh. Uh, loved Loved them had them all over my buddy bell and danny white and nice you know people like that that most people listening to this probably have never even heard of those guys but (laughs) yeah you never know that's true you never know but I, i want people to think back especially the kind of that older generation that might be listening to this vintage baseball card podcast right i i In the comments below, I'd love to hear stories about card shops and. Oh, yeah. It's. But that that memory of walking in and what are you going to find and what are you going to get, it exists today just as much as it did when I was 12. You know?
1: Yes, I agree with that totally. It's. You know, and the same thing kind of applies to shows as well. For sure. I mean, we all had our own whatever budget it may have been. And I always divvied up my budget between wax and singles. Like I always had to leave the show with some open some wax to open. I know, I know. Hard to believe, but back then back then I had no problem opening packs. And then singles I wanted to buy.
0: What do you think it is that's the joy of that hunt? What do you what do you think is that I don't know why do we love it so much.
1: I, I think honestly, I think it's a gene. I think we're born with it. I think we're born collectors. I I don't think you can force anyone to be a collector. And and you know, over when I was a young young, when I was a young man, a teenager, I I tried to get a couple of my friends to uh, hey you should collect. Never never clicked with them. I still know them to this day, but they don't have any interest. I mean, they, they, you know, they give you the, the, when I show them cards, they give you the, you know, the nod and the smile. You know, oh, that's great. But they're really not that uninterested. But I think for us, it it's a gene. It's, it's something, and I've said this many times that, you know, if we're not collecting cards, we're collecting comics, we're collecting uh precious metals we're collecting bottle casts we're collecting coins something you know yeah. it, it's it's, <laughs> it's just, if you do this if you're collecting long enough you go through a lot of phases and then you kind of migrate back to your your favorite like i know a lot of guys right now that are very fed up with you know what we like to call hashtag 2020 with everything with wax prices with single prices with uh, you know seeing the retail gobbled up even before it hits the shelf type of thing uh hobby wax out of control so there's a lot of there's a lot of guys our age that have been doing this a long time that are extremely frustrated by this but you know this like everything will pass
0: You know you just said something earlier that sparked a memory for me and i want to tell this story because i had lunch with my dad today nice and he gave me that gene because yeah, you said it's it's genetic yeah and i don't know that that's not true because my dad is a huge collector and he collects he happens to collect tools and yeah. he uses them. He uses all the antique tools that he has. And he makes beautiful things like the beast. and Like the beast, yeah. furniture and all sorts of stuff. He's incredibly talented. I mean, on a whole nother level of amazing. Yep. Yeah. But that collector gene, I didn't inherit his creativity and his uh, craftsmanship and all of that. But I did inherit this collector gene and, and his, you know, receding hairline. I, re- I inherited that too. <laughs> but what I remember as a kid, we would go to flea markets and there were, there were weekly flea markets and there were bigger ones, you know, once a month. And my dad would drag me around these flea markets. And similar to today, it's mostly junk, right? It's right. Mostly crap, but I would walk around I'll, all I was looking for, card baseball cards, sports cards, right. And God I used to, and I would then beg my dad and we weren't of me, you know, we were a normal middle-class family, but things were, you know, there were three kids and yep. my right. mom worked at yep. home. And so it wasn't like there was just money falling out of my dad's pockets as we walked down the aisles. And so, for me to ask for him to say, yes, I knew was a big deal uh-huh. um, to buy cards. And, you know, in the flea markets i remember finding, you know, there'd be the, the weird, you know, you'd, uh, some table with all sorts of just other junk and then a back, a box of 83 Donruss or something you know, and packs were 50 cents or whatever they were quarter or whatever they were back then. Uh, oh dad, can I get two packs for a dollar, you know, or whatever? And more often than not, he said yes, you know, especially if I was being I had to be good, right? Got to be right. Stay close, you know, don't get lost, all that kind of stuff, but I was always hunting for cards at flea markets. And I hope somebody has the some memories like that, similar to that. Oh yeah, and can relate to that story. Um, not often would we, I, I guess sometimes you'd walk around and there'd be literally a, a guy set up like at a card show just in a flea market you know with cards yep. um, it wasn't often there might be one table like that out of several hundred at a flea market
1: and he probably cleaned up on the tools
0: oh my dad i and guess who was his porter you me <laughs> me and my brother we got to carry all this crap around for my dad <laughs> Um
1: that's the that was the fee for the the cards
0: and I learned from him the art of negotiation,
1: oh yeah,
0: which is you never settle for the and i this is all truisms for me today uh you don't settle on the sticker price everything can be bar bartered and bargained and haggled yep, and like if you pay the sticker price, then you're the sucker. That's how <laughs> that's what he would always tell me and show me in the way that he would just walk away. And I would see just like in card shows. I remember, (laughs) yeah, I'm really going kind of all over the place, but these memories are just flooding in. Yep. I remember in 2014 when I went to the national in Cleveland and saw you for the first time, by the way,
1: that's right. (laughs) But we didn't know each other. then.
0: We did not know each other then, but I remember seeing you and going, that's those back pages. That's him. <laughs> and uh, my wife was with me, Julie, and she's like, so? And I'm Like, you don't understand. It's a big deal on Freedom Cardboard. Remember that?
1: Freedom Cardboard. I do. I do.
0: Yeah. That um anyway, at that show I wanted a Jackie Robinson autograph, which I still own. I bought it. Nice. think i had some price on it and i was like no here's what i'll pay and he said no i can't do it i said okay and i walked away and i remember him literally i got i don't know a couple hundred feet away and i turn around and this guy's literally kind of fast walking toward me (laughs) okay okay you know and my dad always said make him tell you you're crazy at least twice oh okay because what's the worst that can happen they say no right okay i'll go down the aisle and find another one thank you very much for your time right and that just these lessons that he taught me about being a collector you know the hunt and the joy of the hunt and he loves the hunt too he loves the bargains he loves finding the deals and at card shops, you could do that right back in the day. And and even today, still, you know, smart card shops put out the dollar boxes and they'll throw a couple of nice little cards in there. And maybe somebody will find them and get a good deal, you know. Yep. And it was that it, it's been that way for decades and decades. It was that way in the 80s. It's that way now. Um. So those lessons that he taught me were. Have served me well over the years as a card collector. Let me tell you.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I hope you listen to this because you'll get a kick out of that. Me telling. Always those
1: learning. Things. Always
0: learning. And like, maybe he didn't even didn't even know I was paying attention back then, like kids do, right?
1: Right. Uh, almost like osmosis, really.
0: Almost. You just come yeah. in, suck it all in, and it becomes part of you and what a great legacy too uh you know my dad knows about my collection and comes sure. over he's just like you're crazy and then i go to his shop and see all his tools and i'm like you're crazy so we both you know we have this
1: that's where the crazy comes from
0: yeah. that's where the, yeah thanks dad for giving me the crazy you gave me that crazy and
1: now have you ever had anyone say to you in relation to cards like how do you know so much
0: yeah um especially people that aren't into cards
1: oh that's true yeah it's just you know i was joking about osmosis but you know it's just that's part of it in my opinion it's being around it thinking about it interacting in it and it's just you know like i and i always say you know share your knowledge you know keep learning and always learning and all that stuff because it's stuff that i believe in i it's you know it's just something that you you, you just want to keep you know we all like to look backwards on you know the history of of whatever it may be but we're at the same time we're marching forward you know we just i try honestly i try every day to learn something new
0: Have you learned anything on this podcast? I did. Oh, really? Please, enlighten me with what you're you're taking away. I
1: have to remember what it was that I learned. That I like Buddy Bell? No, that I knew. (laughs) That, uh, you know, you used to go to the flea markets with your dad when he would go hunting tools. I knew your dad was a tool collector. But it was nice to hear the, hear the story of Yeah, hunting tools when you were a young boy.
0: You know, it's funny. Hopefully people that listen to this are hearing two guys that... And it's good this is at the end of the podcast, because only the diehards will be listening at this point.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling.
0: But what's really cool, Eric, is you and I have been friends now for years. Yep. Uh, but... We come from two, we're in two completely different parts of the country. We live, we came, we were both brought up very differently. You in a very urban environment, me in a a city, but not not the same as you. Right. Um, We have different family backgrounds. We have different educational backgrounds, um, work history background, all sorts of education, you name it. Yep. And yet we are, you and I are like brothers, right?
1: Yeah.
0: And yeah. we have this common connection of cardboard where we can sit here and talk for 50 minutes and it feels like five. Right. And I hope people just hear that brotherhood. I hope people hear when Eric and I talk to each other, that it's just two buddies just talking and sharing stories and that's how you learn that's how you
1: that's a good point
0: you know you you're open minded you guy you and i have different political beliefs we have different everything we're we are different people in right. so many ways that society would look at us and go y'all shouldn't be friends Y'all don't have anything in common yes we do au contraire right i think we have and that but that also creates that common ground creates opportunity to share other things, you know, about our lives. And I know a lot about your personal life. You know a lot about my personal life. Yeah. Um, and so cards can do that if you are open to it. Right. And if we don't share it, you've said this so many times, Eric, and you're so right. If you don't share, I mean, what's the point of having all of this stuff and not sharing it? Why have it in a dark hole? What what good does that do anyone other than your ego
1: or whatever? Which is awfully, you know, what good is your ego when you're all by yourself all the time?
0: Yeah, very short-sighted, very narrow-minded, I think.
1: Which, you know, okay, back in the day, like when we were kids, it was all about, well, I know about this player, so I'm going to stock up and not tell anybody, like, you know, with the internet and everything else, you're not fooling anyone anymore.
0: Right. There are no secrets anymore.
1: You know, you just, the best case scenario is you try to get ahead of them. you know, try to get ahead of a wave, if that's your thing, and then capitalize when the wave hits. But, you know, it's, and like you had just said, this community is all about the friendship. It's... I cannot stress that enough. People that are listening that have not been to the national, there's no way to describe the national to someone who's never been. And then you and I both know people that attended last year for the first time and they've, they're not necessarily their mentality has changed, but they see things differently now at least that's that's you know my belief and my findings.
0: As far agree as more. totally agree with you. Yeah. And that's just what this hobby can do. If you again you got to be open to it, right? And you got to understand you're not going to get along with everybody too.
1: I was just about to say that, Yep. Yeah. You know, there's no and that's okay. It's like really real, not totally everybody it's just that's how, that's the way the world works. You know, well, let not- me
0: tell you that I, I am a blessed man because you and I get along, and I'm honored
1: to be your friend. Well, yeah. likewise, brother, that you know that street runs both ways.
0: Can you believe we've been talking almost an hour? <laughs> just BS <laughs> in here. It never, yeah.
1: it never does seem that it never, you know, doing these with anybody it just never and you know and you and like like you had mentioned you and i talk a lot you know not being recorded and it doesn't you know it does not feel like oh wow an hour's gone by
0: well for people that don't know when eric and i talk privately it's just like this (laughs) it's not pretty much a little more personal details that we're not sharing here but it's it's my
1: Some spicy language on occasion,
0: but yeah. That's for sure. And if you don't have that in your collecting world, find somebody that you have common ground with. Find somebody that you relate to. Find somebody that's similar in a lot of ways. And I bet you can spark a friendship that can last you potentially the rest of your life. And
1: You could could spark that up at the card show, at the card shop even, the card show. Especially the national. I know I keep going back to the national, but you know when you're in the national, Nash- the national, you're in the big room with twenty thousand other collectors. You know everyone has something in common, whether it be eighty-eight Donruss or twenty-twenty tops. I mean, it, it's just something in between. It, it's just an amazing, amazing thing that goes well beyond the cardboard.
0: Absolutely. Well, man, I think we'll let everybody, you know, get on with their day. If they're done yeah, listening. probably a okay.
1: good idea. <laughs> um,
0: why don't you tell everybody, I mean, this is your second appearance on, on this podcast, but for those that maybe missed the first one, tell everybody where they can find you on YouTube and Instagram and whatever else.
1: Yeah, uh, you can pretty much find me everywhere at uh, those back pages. You know, there you, I you go. You hope you put the link in the description below. But I, I will. I have a good feeling that everyone who's been listening <laughs> has an idea who I am.
0: <laughs> but in the podcast world, right? You might well, start. That's true. That's true.
1: I'm not. I haven't dipped into the podcast world yet. So this was a nice change of pace.
0: You're you're dipping into it right now. See?
1: Yeah. Like I said this was a nice change of pace.
0: <laughs> um, well, my friend, I really appreciate you coming on and.
1: My pleasure, Mike. Really, really is my pleasure.
0: It's so funny that we 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 do talk before, like I called Eric and hey, I'm this is what I'm thinking for a podcast. And he goes, You bet Eric and I talked zero about what we wanted to discuss other than the general topic of card shops when we were kids. That right. was that was the only spark we needed to have an hour long conversation about all yeah. sorts of stuff.
1: It's great. I mean yeah. and We could easily do another hour, but, you know, that we've put them through enough.
0: (laughs) Well, I promise you, you'll be on again. and
1: uh, Anytime, Anytime.
0: I'll make sure Andy's here for you. I know you're probably disappointed that you're not.
1: That's right. Where's Andy?
0: Where's Andy? He'll be (laughs) back. Um, Well, thank you, my friend. Everyone out there that's listening, thanks again for just supporting this podcast, you know, Check out BenchClear. BenchClear.us is our website. Tons of great content creators out there. We're all just trying to show different aspects of this hobby. And hopefully you saw a glimpse today of what it can bring you in terms of friendship and knowledge and all these things that, you know, is wonderful, wonderful parts of this hobby. The best part of it, no doubt. And uh, the cards are cool, but friendships last forever, right?
1: that's very 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 true
0: everybody take care have a good night good day whenever you're listening eric you any final words
1: share your knowledge keep learning always learning remember that you matter you may not think so but you do
0: yeah
1: i'll end it with my normal Keep collecting. See you guys later. Have a great.